the Operations Leadership Podcast with Gautam Basu provides insights for today's business leaders on creating value through operations improvement, process excellence, digital innovation, and organizational leadership. The following is an interview with Dr. Yari Vepsalainen. Yari is a postdoctoral researcher at Alto University. He works extensively with mechatronic systems. This is a field which combines multiple engineering and science disciplines, including mechanical and electrical engineering, computer science, robotics, telecommunications, electronics, product engineering, and service design. This field requires not only engineering prowess, but high levels of creativity in order to come up with novel and innovative approaches to complex engineering and operational challenges. Yari has also developed sustainable design, control, and autonomous aspects of mechatronic machines, such as electronic vehicles and autonomous driving applications. Yari is a very interesting individual because he's a highly creative person. He's involved with improv acting, music, and singing. And this conversation talks a bit more about how he approaches creativity and embeds creativity in his work as an engineer and as a scholar. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, Yari. How are you doing? Welcome to the Operations Leadership Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gautam. It's a pleasure to be here. Great. So creativity is an interesting topic, and it's one that's not often associated with business operations or leadership. I can imagine that creativity is becoming more and more uh, important, especially since we're facing an increasingly complex, unpredictable, and uncertain world. So I think that these require novel solutions. So could you tell us a little bit how you got interested in the field of creativity? Yes. Uh, so I'm a postdoc here at Aalto University. My background is in mechanical engineering. It is just something that I, I've come across a lot in engineering projects. That That is something that I lean towards uh, to create something novel. And I don't feel as satisfied when the project is something that is not completely new and never seen before. So... Then I started thinking, is it something that you're born with, the creativity, urge for it, or even uh, a knack for it? Or is it something that you can learn and master? And I started to dig into that uh, in the literature. And uh, also, yeah, my my background is in mechatronics. So everything Mm -hmm. from uh, robotics to uh, industrial mechanical engineering things. So anything that is related to mechanics, electronics, coding, and mm. uh, computation, and putting those together. Sure. So it's a very wide range of things. And when you kind of were doing a bit of your research on creativity, were there any, let's say, books that kind of stood out or spoke to you uh, in regards to creativity? Yeah, there were actually two books that I would like to mention. Both are uh, titled Creativity. They, they have subtitles, uh, but the first one, uh, you can correct me with the, with the name. So, Mihaili Chichenheil? Chichenheil. Chichenheil. Yeah. It's a yeah, very a, difficult name. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Mihai Chichenheil. He, uh, he actually recently passed away uh, about uh, two or three months ago, so uh, 
You know, it's he. I, I like his stuff about flow, the flow state. Um, so I guess that's a doorway into creativity. I think McKinsey actually did a study about flow state using Csikszentmihalyi's work, and they actually said that uh, people that are in the state of flow uh, are six hundred percent more productive and effective. So Csikszentmihalyi is a, he's, he's, a, he's a psychologist, but I did I didn't read his book on creativity. So what what was kind of interesting about that that work that Csikszentmihalyi was discussing or wrote about? Well, yeah, that was interesting about the flow because he touched on it a lot in the book as well. He had a lot of people from different fields of arts and engineering, science, uh, business, you name it, uh, Nobel laureates to just business leaders, just, uh, but uh, air quotes here. Uh, but um, a lot of different people, around 200 that he and his team interviewed. And there was a lot of talk about this flow state as well. And, uh, and what is what makes a creative person and a lot of people also declined uh, to come as a participant for the research because they said that it's something that you cannot really put into words. Right. Yeah, it's kind of hard, uh, let's say concept or topic to kind of you know, make it explicit verbally because some people, you know, they have they have difficult time describing what is a flow state. You know, the, some of the athletes, you know, you're you're a basketball player, the the zone, right? Uh, so it, it is an interesting guy. So I can imagine that creativity is is kind of similar in that sense. It's difficult to kind of uh, put into to words. Um, so this podcast is about operations leadership. Um, so how do you see the linkage between creativity and leadership? Yeah. Uh, before I go into that, I will just highlight the other book that I liked a mm -hmm. lot because it's something that you can do a uh, read in an afternoon. It's by uh, creativity by John Cleese. Okay. So it's a short and cheerful guy from this guy from Monty Python. Ah, and okay. It's John like, Cleese, right. Yeah. So, the, so it's the obvious stuff in a way when you hear it, but it's good to remind yourself with that. But sure. yeah, then then uh, to, to your question. Uh, so as you said before, creativity and innovation are something that are mainly buzzwords when you hear it around leadership usually. And, and uh, then there are less tools or approaches to actually take advantage of those. And I feel like any uh, business leader, uh, especially in operations, you have policies and procedures that you create or oversee. And I see, at, I see them as great potential places to uh, implement creative measures and just how to be creative in your own work as a leader, how to support the generation of novel uh, solutions and reward those. So this is also relating to teaching. It's difficult to quantify and say implicitly like what is creative and what is not, but we should still try to reward that behavior. So uh, I think that those are really um, important aspects of uh, being a leader, teacher or a mentor. Right. So, I mean, operations, obviously, and even engineering disciplines, they're, they're, you know, there's a lot of methods or tools like Lean Six Sigma that are, you know, focus theory of constraints. So coming from the operations world, it's it's very structured. 
uh, and kind of controlled in a way. And it seems to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, creativity is more open. Uh, so how do you, how do you, let's say, embed creativity in kind of the structured way of operations? I mean, how do you come up with novel or innovative solutions kind of in a very structured or controlled environment that tends to want to reduce variability, um, et cetera, from an operations management or operations control perspective. Is there a way, do you see ways of kind of, you know, uh, fostering creativity uh, from that perspective? Yeah, that's a very uh, good question. And especially that creativity is usually thought of as something that is free flowing and, and free of constraints. And that's true. And that tends to refer to artistic creativity is at least what I like to call it is that you don't actually have a problem to solve, but you provide a solution or an output. And then you have something I uh, have run across a term called engineering creativity, mm -hmm. which is I'll uh, take one step back is that you have engineering design process that you have a, a problem or a need and you provide a solution that meets the criteria and, and limitations of that problem. But then you have engineering creativity that is doing the exact same thing. You still have the limitations and the requirements, but you have a sort of additional requirement of doing something extraordinary, something that's never seen before. Right. And that provides additional value, not only, you know, solving the problem, but doing it creatively and sort of this is where it gets tricky because it's sort of this chicken and egg scenario because also when you are being creative, you might exceed the requirements and limitations, but it can happen serendipitously mm. and you might not be able to control it and you can aim for creativity, but sometimes you cannot force it either in an engineering design process. But I guess what I'm trying to aim at is that in addition to your normal work, whether it's engineering or business, uh, you usually aim to just solve whatever problem comes to right. uh, comes your way. So what I'm suggesting is to try to uh, identify and acknowledge uh, what is uh, creative, and maybe also uh, intentionally try to uh, aim for those solutions. Mm -hmm. And even if they would be more risky. Than, uh, than something that you already know that works. Right. Maybe you could take those into consideration. So if I understood correctly, I mean, the normal kind of, let's say, engineering design or design thinking is you, you have a problem that's already there and it's fixed, and you're aiming to solve that in a air quotes creative way. So in this, in this mode, you're actually, do I understand it correctly that you don't have a specific problem to solve, that it's more kind of a white space or a moonshot uh, where, you know, you're kind of creating uh, but without a fixed problem to solve? Did I understand that correctly? Uh, I, I have to uh, correct that a bit because that's what I see that maybe that would be somewhere in between artistic and engineering creativity when you're also coming up with the problem to solve. Actually, that's quite a good definition of uh, research, I would think, because in research you're trying to find what is a problem worth solving uh, right. and then focusing on that. So you also need to be creative in terms of coming up with the problem itself. Obviously, that relates to startups as well and businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, so what I'm referring to is that you're tasked with 
there's a need to create a new kind of uh, coffee maker. And you find a solution that fits all the criteria that uh, is put into this new project uh, product. But on top of that, you try not to do the exact same thing as the competitors are doing. So you're trying to find some way where you can be uh, extraordinary. Mm -hmm. And the way to do that is that you need to love your problem. So this is probably something that is a common saying, but you, you cannot assume anything. You need to test and investigate. And what I found from the literature is that already like from 100 years ago, people studying engineering creativity you know, noticed that people who are uh, paying attention to the tiniest of details are the ones that find the creative solution. Mm. So you really need to uh, pay close attention. Don't assume that, okay, well, that was an experimentation error or that is just because uh, customers are, you know, uh, different. E every one of them is different. You cannot make any assumptions if you're looking for an angle or an aspect to be creative on. Mm. And actually then the nice things uh, come along that I found that at first I thought that, well, being creative is creating something new, right? Right. So you, you would think that, well, then it just comes out of the blue, but that's not true. In the end, everything that has ever been innovated or, or created uh, something novel, it's always a combination of known elements. There's nothing that comes just appears in front of you. Mm -hmm. It is always something that there's A and B. Like, uh, for example, you had way before you had fire, uh, you must have had someone who discovered, okay, I, I hit these rocks together, there's a spark, and there's wood. And wood is great for building a house. But then to combine these two, that's the creative part. Mm. That's interesting. And you, you mentioned this concept of uh, known elements of creative creativity. So could you elaborate uh, a little bit more about these known elements? Yeah. So you can combine. So, so known elements are anything, uh, an abstract thing or a, a concrete, uh, tangible object, but uh, how to combine them? That's, that's the thing. Like, how, how do you then, okay, you had the wood and the spark, but how, how do they come to be as fire. So the, one of the things that I found at the core of creativity is associations. And I, I have a, a background in uh, improv theater. So I, <laughs> I was obsessed about these associations that yes, this is true when I'm on stage that that's exactly what happens when you're being creative. So there's uh, three important uh, methods or subtypes of associations. There's serendipity, similarity and mediation. And serendipity is the 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 movie-like creativity and and the one that makes the best stories usually. For example, discovery of penicillin was done by a Scottish researcher uh, Sir Alexander Fleming, and he was studying bacteria or viruses. I'm not completely sure at this point, but he had petri dishes lying around. He went on a holiday for uh, two weeks but he didn't remember to put those back into the incubator, if I'm correct. And they were just left out at the table. And he came back and the petri dishes were filled with mold. And obviously, like if you wouldn't pay any attention, you would just throw away the petri dishes. But he paid attention that wherever there was mold, 
the bacteria uh, there, there was no bacteria there and he let the mold grow and he noticed that it's not affecting anything else other than the bacteria so it feeds on the bacteria and this is the uh the the mold was the uh species of penicillin and that's how the first antibiotic came to be wow that's that's fascinating i didn't uh, uh know the full story of how that was um actually so in, in essence it was kind of by accident yeah yeah, yeah and, and there's actually stories before that there was a doctor studying um uh like a horses uh, uh like a veg- vegetarian mm-hmm. studying the uh treatment. veterinarian yeah yeah veterinarian yes thank you <laughs> uh, uh studying uh, uh how how to uh amend uh, problems with horses mm-hmm. so there was a horse that had a infected ankle or something and there was the same contaminant in the in the uh, barn that uh, was this pel- uh, very rare uh, form of mold uh, penicillin or penicillin and and uh, he he was mad that s- somehow uh, the the ankle was healing and he told his uh, research assistant to get rid of the mold immediately oh, okay and and uh, so there is this uh, speculation at least to my understanding that uh, penicillin could have been uh, discovered before but there was this doctor who didn't pay attention to detail okay. so you might miss something that you think is a distraction when that is actually the thing you should be focusing on hmm. yeah it's 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 an interesting thing because you know something that you may deem as trivial is actually not trivial at all it's actually the source of the innovation uh, or the solution that, that that's that's fascinating so you mentioned uh, these three uh, elements so this uh, serendipity uh, the similarity and mediation mediation okay so what are the other other two the sim- similarity and mediation yeah so in similarity uh, you think uh, of things that do the same thing but combine just the uh, things that make the specific solution great. So let's say that you had a train that had an engine and the engine part was really great because you didn't need any uh, human or or animal effort to move the train. Mm-hmm. And then you had a horse carriage, horse carriage, sorry. Uh, and and uh, the nice thing about that, you didn't need any rails and you didn't need to have this huge train but it was mobile and small and compact and easy to go around and well then if you take the two nice things about them the mobility and then the engine then you get a car so right. so I, i'm not this is not confirmed i just throw it out as an example of right. what similarity could be okay okay so it's it's uh maybe something that henry ford kind of looked at <laughs> and put uh, the the similarity principle together and said okay well why don't we develop the model t for example yeah yeah <laughs> definitely and and then there has to be uh, also here comes the aspect of risk because there was already talk with trains that uh, scientists thought that if you go 30 miles uh, 30 kilometers per hour you you're going to die and the accelerations are too much for your body so a lot of people might have thought of it so conventional to just have a horse and a carriage and it's something that's known already and it's safe so to take the risk of the 
super dangerous engine from from the train and put it into this carriage took a lot of guts. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this was the same thing with uh, electricity. I mean, the uh, Tesla's innovation there, people thought that that was quite dangerous until they kind of proved that it, that it wasn't. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of, and also like uh, it's a good lesson to learn about public acceptance that you might have everyone against you in the beginning, even if you're, you know that you're after something uh, really great. Mm. And uh, yeah, the last one is mediation. Mm -hmm. So uh, again, this is a made up example, but it could be true. So Netflix before, now we know after these uh, difficult times that it's our, our trusty friend in, in streaming video service and uh, films and series. But when it came to be, uh, it was first uh, a posting. Uh, it uh, it uh, it was posting the films yeah. to you at home, right? The DVDs, DVDs yeah, and exactly. It, maybe even VHSs. I don't know how how long a time was it ago, but at right. at least like DVDs. Yes, and it uh, functioned really well and for a long time. And uh, then Spotify came along, uh, which was the first one to stream music at a large scale and it was the at least to my knowledge the most known like streaming service of anything and only a year later uh netflix also pivoted towards streaming so if there wouldn't be any spotify maybe netflix wouldn't done that either but the the mediation here is the uh, the, the mediatory concept is the streaming mm -hmm. so even though the media was different obviously nowadays it's already happened we think that videos and audio are exactly alike. But back then, most likely they were not considered the same and they had different problems and different audiences. Mm -hmm. And and uh, and the business structure was most likely very different when DVDs were very popular. Sure. So making the transition had to be like, a, again, a risk. But right. the, the, the concept, this is just a very sort of easy to uh, understand example but what I'm aiming here for is that you need to look into also how people do things in completely different fields. Right. And try to understand that they have their own problem, they have a solution and uh, and side effects. And could some of those be something that you could take into your own field? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, some some of the great innovations tend to come outside of the industry or the sector there and they tend to bring it in into their sector and kind of let's say embed that and that becomes kind of a breakthrough uh you know in performance or productivity uh cost efficiency from from something that seems unrelated at first glance um you mentioned that uh, you you're a creative person yourself, improv actor. I know that you've done some music and singing as well. So as a creative person, um, how would you go about fostering creativity um, in teams, whether it be engineering or business or operations? How, how would you, what, what would be kind of your advice or recommendation for, uh, you know, in, either embedding or fostering creativity within teams? Well, uh, I think that is something that you, it's almost a nursery rhyme, at least to anyone who knows brainstorming. And I, I think that's everybody almost at yeah. this point. So it's about accepting other people's ideas, staying positive, 
the whole concept of improv theater works on this uh, yes and method at all uh, method. So mm-hmm. if someone is suggesting that okay, we're on a boat, you need to accept that and build on that top of that. If you if if you're uh, rejecting that and saying that no, no, we're not. That's gonna stop right there, and there's nothing to go on. So the most important thing is to accept what other people are saying and and also building on uh, other people's ideas, not only accepting those and and treating them without judgment, but also building on top of those. But I feel like at least I've come across these uh, simple uh, like suggestions and advices before. Uh, and and I, I was more interested in the mechanics behind them. But I have to say it's easier said than done. Uh, even though I'm aware of all of these, it is still always a struggle. Uh, you fell in, uh, you fall in love with your own ideas so easily, and it's so much easier to see your own idea as a bigger vision and all the stuff you're not saying but you're feeling about your idea. And then when someone else comes along and they say their thing, you possibly cannot feel or sense all the stuff behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned the struggle element because uh, actually going back to Csikszentmihalyi, he said actually the first stage of getting into a flow state is struggle. You have to struggle through it until you actually get into that state of flow where you know, the, the seven or six kind of parameters of flow dimensions go in. But you, you mentioned something interesting, I mean, you know, in terms of, you know, the team environment. So uh, how do you view, for example, interdisciplinary teams, let's say somebody from engineering, somebody from finance, somebody from the arts, do you think that that kind of strengthens the creative or the novel or the innovative aspects by having different people, um, you know, coming from different backgrounds, different functions. I mean, in terms of the team construct, either solving a specific problem or, as you say, the other aspect is, you know, maybe even having a more open or white space type of brainstorming or moonshot. How, how do you see the diversity uh, element playing into the creative um, process? Uh, it's, it's very important. Uh, so to first off, start off with uh, associations. They come from, uh, they can be uh, verbal or visual, auditory, uh, you know, uh, a sense or smell. Uh, I mean, uh, something you um, taste can bring up a memory from your childhood. And all of us has com- completely unique uh, a palette of associations of things that you have experienced or you know about and based on those, you can combine, again, the known elements, something you experience, seen or done. So having people from different backgrounds, not only professionally, but uh, in terms of age and sex and and uh, geographic location, everything is super uh, important to have different kinds of people meeting up. Now, saying that still, us humans, we are very... Uh, good at communicating when it comes to uh, small groups. Actually, I said that wrong. We're okay at communicating when it comes to small groups. But the more people you have from different backgrounds, from different professions, uh, the vocabulary is not the same. You need much more time for the team building, for the team to get to know each other. 
I, at least that's what I think and I've experienced uh, while working with uh, people from arts and, and business, being an engineer myself, is that it's really important and you get so much more out of things and uh, you get much more, uh, much faster to a point that does this work or not. But at the same time, then the struggle is much bigger. But that's the thing, the bigger the struggle, the bigger the reward. But you mm -hmm. need to, the thing is that if you go through 80% or 70%, 90% of the struggle, the output might still be zero. Mm -hmm. But if you go, you know, beyond the needed struggle, which no one knows how long is, is it going to be, at the end of the road, there's going to be a reward that is, you know, relational to the amount of the struggle. But mm. yeah, I, uh, that is, uh, I guess Corona is a good metaphor yeah. for this uh, as well, that the uncertainty of how long is the struggle, then that is the most uh, uh, important quality of all the team members and especially the leader is to handle this uncertainty that you don't know. Right. Right. Yeah. And it, and it makes sense. I mean, you know, that's why it pays to kind of uh, do difficult things and, and solve difficult problems. Uh, and, you know, as you said, it's directly proportional to the kind of inputs, the effort and the struggle that's required to solve some of these kind of big business, global, societal challenges uh, that we're currently face with. So I think this is a this is an interesting conversation, a much needed one, because I think uh, we need creative, novel, innovative solutions, especially to address some of the things we're currently facing, you know, supply chain disruptions. Uh, you know, of course, you mentioned the pandemic, um, but so many things that are happening, it almost seems like the perfect storm. Uh, that's that's affecting global society. So um, how do you see, like, let's say, the creativity as a, uh, a mechanism for addressing uh, these challenges? And they could be societal, they could be economic, they could be uh, technological. Um, do, do, do you see that there should be more focus, for example, in you know, schools from K to 12 to, let's say, university level, because, you know, let's face it, I think, you know, uh, in most business schools, I know you're coming from the uh, engineering uh, school, uh, they don't teach creativity as much as maybe they should. So do you recommend that uh, business operations uh, leaders that they should take creativity into account, especially to come up with some of these new innovative solutions? Uh, that is a difficult topic in a way, because like we said in the very beginning, creativity is difficult to get a grasp on. Right. So the same goes for teaching. So one of my main objectives was that I feel that I, I, I like creativity at least, and I, I want to produce and pursue creative solutions, but how, uh, how to make others feel that they can do it too, and give them some tools that they can lean on when they feel like they are not creative at all. So then there comes the paradox of creativity, as they call it in the literature, is that there needs to be the right blend of order and chaos and, and restrictions and freedom 
Otherwise, uh, if you go into one end, let's say that you're completely free, like you have employees in the company, you have a team that's the innovation team, that they have no budget limits, they, they can do whatever they wish. Most likely they won't be creative. Or they, they can be creative, but then it just works for that team. Immediately, if you have another team, it doesn't work. And if you look at, for example, music, you're always having that... Uh, um, Maybe a deadline for uh, an album or something like that. that Some that constraint. <laughs> deadline, yeah, the constraints are really... Yeah, I was about to say uh, a rebel against the machine uh -huh. uh, is is always something that is popular and the creativity stems from that. It might not even be uh, also the same goes for, uh, let's say you're at school at any level, let's say university in this case, and you don't like your course and you wouldn't like to do the things that they're uh, saying you should do. And then you want to change things. So then you end up being creative because of it, because there were the uh, strict rules and limitations and all that also uh, goes into any project so if you don't have any limitations and it not any deadlines most likely you won't, won't be creative sure and i definitely noticed this during uh, covid staying at home you don't have to do anything right i, I feel the least creative so some amount of stress in moderate sense and moderate amounts of stress is good right that's the i guess the challenge of uh, nowadays you could choose to do uh, less and have a lot of freedom in your work or then easily you end up doing way too much and way too many things but i guess finding that balance is still that 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 uh, target that we are always uh all, all of us are looking for sure and uh like an end note to the listeners, I would like to encourage you to always come up with a lot of ideas because then you have a higher probability of coming up with great ideas. And when you're discussing about ideas and, and what is creative, the problem is that you cannot measure it in the room. So only the public will be the one to estimate the creative uh, quality of your ideas. And that... Uh, takes time and you can be creative in your own self uh, so uh, learning a new craft that is creative to you and then you can be creative locally so you come up with a new recipe and the people in your neighborhood know about it it might already exist somewhere in the world but it's creative in your own local area then you have global creativity that is actually something that is accepted in a major scale and then lastly you have historic creativity and we tend to think easy that we need to come up with one idea that is historic and that is the only way to be creative so i like to leave you with a message of hope in a way that you can be creative in small ways as well but remember to make as many ideas as you can because that is the only way to improve your creativity great stuff thank you so much yari thank you that's it for this week's Operations Leadership Podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and until next time.